Welcome to The Fader Interview. I'm Alex Robert Ross, Editorial Director of The Fader. When Porter Robinson released his debut EP Spitfire on Skrillex's label Owsler in 2011, he was heralded as a dubstep artist looking beyond the high-intensity trappings of the genre, with a compositional skill that matched his ambitions. His debut album, Worlds, released in 2014, fulfilled that promise. There was a strong sense of sci-fi fantasy lore to each of the songs, as if they were movie themes made in the furthest reaches of our solar system. It seemed like Porter Robinson knew exactly what he was doing and how to do it, which is why what came next was so surprising. He got stuck. Nearly seven years after releasing Worlds, Porter Robinson is back with his sophomore project, Nurture. It's a beautiful album, filled with little moments of joy and wonder, and it serves as an introduction to Porter Robinson, the pop artist. Just before the album's release, The Fader's Jordan Darville spoke with Robinson about how he got himself on the road to Nurture by meeting his heroes in Japan, making the writing process a key part of the album's sound, and how the global pandemic affected the record. I listened to an old interview of yours from February. You were talking about Nurture, and you said that one of the like aha moments for you was watching an anime film called Wolf Children. So I checked that out. Man, that was a very sad film. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's beautiful and, and very, very melancholic, yeah. Like the influence of Wolf Children on this album is is just so so present. The the way that I think I mentioned this in the in the in the last Vader interview I did, but the way that that movie struck me was it just changed my sense of what could be considered beautiful. And and once I had that like shift from seeing that sense of emotion and beauty and music as from being this far away thing to being this thing that felt very nearby, it just it kind of opened up the world for me. And I mean, something that was so revelatory for me was hearing the the soundtrack for that movie which is by Takagi Masakatsu, who since seeing that movie mm. became one of my like top four like all-time musical heroes. And the amazing little circle of life aspect of this whole thing was that I actually had the chance to like work with Takagi. I had the opportunity to spend a few months in Japan and just write music. And that was probably the time that I turned the corner because, you know, so much of my creative rut came from depriving myself of new experiences and of just like putting pressure and expectations on myself to work where the purpose of this trip was more just to explore and meet new people. And I had the chance to work with Takagi where I was like, maybe, you know, maybe he can come visit the studio I've been working at in Tokyo. And I got a message from him suddenly, which was like, would you be able to like come to my little town, which is really more like a village. It's like eight people live there. I rolled up to his house and I was incredibly nervous, you know, I'm like, I'm a lot younger than him. And he's just, just such a talented pianist. And we got there and his house is just decorated with pianos. There's like pianos everywhere. He has like, like four in his studio. There's like, they're just everywhere in the home. And we were sort of getting to know each other, sitting down at the table. And I was just telling him about how that music had changed my worldview and just like, just sort of doing a get to know you. And he was making this point about how one of his first ideas for that soundtrack was that he wanted it, the music to feel like like a, being cradled. He wanted this like swinging motion back and forth. Like if you imagine a, a mother cradling a baby with both arms and swinging the baby back and forth. And then as he's illustrating this point, he turns around to the piano that's right behind him because there's a piano everywhere in the house and plays my favorite section from my favorite song on the entire soundtrack, which is Circulation. 
and its main sort of leaf motif. And I just like, I was trying to continue the conversation with him, but I was like on the verge of tears trying to talk to this guy. I very nervously played him the music I had been working on and he kind of gave me his feedback. And he, I remember he really liked Get Your Wish. said he felt like the the synthesis between the sort of pitched up vocals and the dance music and the like j-pop elements he like i could tell that got him excited people talk about like a dream collaboration but it was almost like a um a, a dream teacher i played for him a lot i played a lot of piano in front of him which was scary but fun and it was just a real time of growth i think getting to to meet one of my heroes and, and play in my music and it was, it was amazing I've listened to Nurture a couple of times now and there's this I listened on headphones for the for the first time the other day and that just it just opened up the album to an incredible degree. I got these like these mouse clicking noises in wind tempos and yeah it's just you that that's just one example there are all these like lovely little details that you get from the album if you if you listen to it really closely and that's it's it's a really rewarding listen. Thank you. So that's the one. That's the the bit of ambient music that I, was inspired by the stuff Takagi showed me, and also by his his mm -hmm. piano and playing style. But um, yeah, I wanted to include those mouse clicking sounds because I wanted to paint a picture of myself in the studio. Like so much of this music is, it's about making music. Yeah, I was like, let's let's embrace this. And so I started doing things like naming songs, do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do, and then including the, literally the sound of myself producing. So one of the things that you hear in wind tempos, there's this vocal that's like, it's so lonely, it's so, not, so lonely. And what you hear is that sound, it keeps changing. And that's literally the sound of me recording the room while I'm just clicking through different like effects chain presets. I was like, let's show the sound of me like exploring and experimenting because I don't know, I'm just trying to like, I guess just paint a picture of, of what this process is like. Like it's so much of a love letter to creativity. Mm. I guess I wanted to lift the veil in some sense there. But it's also like when you talk about intentions or about what you wanted to do, so much of that is 
is after the fact. Oh, you're working on intuition sure, yeah. for the most part. And I just put that in there because it felt right and sounded cool. And then later I'm able to think critically about it and go like, why did that resonate with me? And I think the answer is because I wanted to show that raw moment of exploration and of uncertainty. Like I didn't know what the next sound was going to be as I was scrolling through those presets. And, uh, but somehow the fact that I'm recording the room and just showing the process kind of gels it together, I guess. Yeah. One of the things that makes the creation of, of this album so inspiring is that for a lot of other artists who, you know, might've went through what you went through, your struggles with writer's block, it would have been enough to like go back and do another album like Worlds. But Nurture to me, it almost feels like a, like a debut album. It feels so different to all the stuff that you've put out. That's the and best thing you could say to me. Oh my God, I'm peaking right now. Calling it a debut <laughs> album, that makes me feel amazing. How did you get to a place where you felt comfortable doing all this experimenting again? I felt like with Worlds, I'd figured out my style. And I had figured out what I was supposed to do. And so I tried to do that same thing again. But the reality is that you can never really go home. And I don't think that you can authentically do the same thing twice. Because once I have this meta-awareness of what Worlds is, it gets a little bit diluted every time you go back to the well. Every time I would try to make something that sounds like Worlds, it became more and more of a caricature and less and less of an exploration. And I think like the thing that made Worlds good was the excitement that I felt about this new idea of having this shift in the sound from this EDM party music into something that was a little bit more synth pop. I can never feel that way again. I'm a different age. I've had different life experiences since then. And um, so it's funny, there's quite a few lyrics on Nurture that talk about nostalgia as being a bit of a problem, which is funny because I'm a naturally very nostalgic person. But on Unfold, there's the lyric that's like, I wish I could go home and then in quotes, you're just nostalgic. And then a musician, I have to say, I was so nostalgic, but I'm fine without it. You don't really want what you think you want. Part of that's like addressed to myself. Part of it's addressed to my audience. I think I can make an album really similar to Worlds. And while the people who like those sounds, I think they would like it at first. I don't believe it would stick with them because I think Worlds hit them at a specific time in their life where those ideas felt fresh and exciting relative to the other things they were listening to. Like you just can't, it's, it's sad, but you can't really go home. And as I've gotten older, I've realized that it's so much better for me to try to form new memories than to try to recreate the nostalgia I felt. Yeah, and form new ideas of what home is, which is more challenging. If you try to go back to a technique that you know all too well, like if I was to sit down and try to write a hook for the beginning of the song and then a verse from there, I know I can do that. So as soon as I start writing, it's almost like I'm like racing my own shadow where I'm like, I know what I've done here and I have a certain expectation of how well I should do it. But in, if instead I decide to start a song by first recording the sound of me tapping on an aluminum can, I'm saying this because I'm drinking LaCroix right now, and then reversing that and pitching it way down and then putting it through a sampler, I'm just fucking around. There's no expectation of making anything good from that. And so like it totally disarms you creatively to try to do something that you don't have an expectation will pan out. So that's why I'm like, like, what am I gonna do next? Like, am I gonna start rapping? Like <laughs> I have no idea of like what the what is the future of my music gonna hold. I actually really wish that I could 
know what that would be now. But I'm, I, you know, now that I finished Nurture, I'm looking to the future of being like, what's the next thing that's going to excite me? That sounds exciting, like in itself. It, it is, it is, but it's also daunting, you know? And I mean, I'd say the biggest mistakes I made pre-Nurture were, and I've characterized this many times, but the first mistake that I made was going into this studio with the intention of proving myself and going in thinking, I'm worried I can't make music anymore. This was all after I had this like panicky episode about not being able to make music anymore. So I'd come into the studio thinking, I have to prove I can still do this. I have to, I have to show myself that I'm still capable of making music, which is a pretty anxious place to begin from and not super conducive to creativity. That was step one of, of going into hell, basically, was trying to prove myself and my own abilities. And then the second mistake was I cut out too many other aspects of life. I thought I wasn't making music because I wasn't working hard enough. So I increased my hours working and cut out all of the stuff that ultimately becomes fertilizer for creativity, like going out and falling in love and watching new movies and exploring and trying an instrument you haven't played before or trying a new technique. It was like I was too scared and my I had this white knuckle grip on my own sense of myself that like I couldn't try messing around with a musical idea that didn't seem like it would work, something truly creative and exploratory because I needed results now, you know? That was the biggest mistake. And it's certain, I'm sure I'll learn new lessons in the future, but I feel like, you know, now that I'm looking towards the future of my music, my first thought is I need to go, like have some new experiences and have new things to write about and try things I've never tried before because otherwise I'm gonna fall into the same patterns. Do you have like a list of those things? I definitely want to learn to like dance uh, is like, that's something that feels like it's on my list. It's a new perspective on music and rhythm. Like I got my first little taste of like what dance might feel like working with a choreographer a few weeks ago, trying to figure out like a stage presence for, for this, the live version of this, this album. And it's all really simple. And it, if you watch what I do, it literally just looks like I'm like walking around the stage and stuff like that. And a lot of choreography is like, just make sure you have a microphone at this station when you get over here, like simple stuff like that. But once I started tapping into the idea of like choreography and movement, it became so clear to me that it's like, it's like you're on an airplane and all the windows are closed and everyone's sleeping, but the airplane is actually like, above the clouds and it's daytime because you're changing time zones and you like open the airplane window just slightly and it like blinds everybody. That's how big the world of movement feels to me right now where I'm like, I feel like I just, just barely like looked through the tiniest crack in the window and realized how expansive it is and how much growth is possible in that department. And like every skill is like that, you know? And so I'm just like excited to, to find another thing to kind of improve at and find another form of self-expression. Whereas like, I think a few years ago, I would have been like, dude, dance, what the fuck are you talking about? Like you have to make music. Those kinds of things lead to creativity in unexpected ways. It's, it's funny that you're saying that it's a relatively new re revelation for you because these are the sorts of things that I gathered from Nurture. Especially the song Musician. If somebody asked me to like summarize this album and why Porter Robinson makes music, it would be the lyric, sincerely, can't you feel what I'm feeling? 
Exactly. That is exactly it. That's how I've always felt. I've always been trying to be understood. I've always been trying to make people feel the same thing that that I'm feeling. Like when I'm in awe of my favorite music, or even when I'm like in awe of those rare moments where I've made something that moves me, which is not that often, surprisingly. I'm just like, God, like I have to share this with somebody. That's how I feel. It's like I need, I need someone to understand what's going on in my head right now because like this is incredible. And I feel like everything I've ever done in music has basically been a love letter and a way of me trying to take some little thing that I've gotten obsessed with, whether it was like Electro House back in 2010 or J-pop and ambient music. In I think in the case of Nurture, those were like a, some of the big driving inspirations also like when I hear something and I just love it, I feel like I have to get closer to it. And the way for me to get closer to something I love is to like try and embody it and live it for a fleeting second. And it's like, that's what takes me from place to place, I think, with creativity. It's just loving things so much <laughs> and wanting to like, wanting to drink from the fountain of whatever the person who made it felt. And then like, then I'm just imploring people, like, don't you want part of this as well? And and so, yeah, I mean, that's so well put because, like, to me, musician, it's funny. It, in one sense, kind of falls outside of the record because it, the palette and the ethos feel very, very different. But then the lyrics are still so much about making music and about creativity and about passion. It's just the other side of all this angst that I think Nurture sets up where Nurture's, like, has so many questions on its mind. There's like almost no questions in the mind of like a song like musician. It's just like, just pure like blissing out. And then there's that little touch of self-awareness in the chorus where it's like, oh, whoa, hold, slow down, buddy. But it's also, yeah, I I, I mean, that's my favorite song on the album. So, you know, you you definitely earn points by me by mentioning musician. (laughs) Well, I wanted to talk a little bit about how the pandemic influenced the album as well. The, The project was announced, I believe, in early 2020. It wasn't a definitive release date attached to it, but I think people assumed it was coming that year. Now, of course, it's coming in April 2021. Did it change at all over the course of the pandemic or was it pretty much set in stone? Nurture changed so much throughout 2020 and like strictly for the better. Like I added three extra songs and I got rid of some songs that I felt like weren't all the way there for me or that stuff I had settled on. Yeah, it was really hard though because like I think it was a Wednesday, the day that everyone realized that this was really serious. And I think I had maybe only put it together like the Monday before that, like, oh, things are really going to change. But that that Wednesday was the day that like Tom Hanks and the entire NBA got COVID. This was like two days, I think, after the second single, Something Comforting, had come out. And, you know, in the, the, the six months leading up to that, I was living in this world of like filming music videos and gearing up and like working on the art direction together with SBJ every day. It was a fun, fun time. And then all of a sudden, like I released the song and it's like the next week I'm getting these calls from my manager being like streaming, not just your music, like all music streaming has tanked. Like people aren't, I think it's because people aren't driving or people are just too anxious. Like now is the worst possible time to be releasing music. And at that time it was kind of in the stage of like quarantine two weeks to flatten the curve or whatever. And so there wasn't that much certainty about how this was all going to change. And I probably would have like shit myself if I knew that the album was going to get delayed by over a year. But in in the end, it's funny how that kind of like 
hardship and anxiety can turn can sort of blossom into something that's an opportunity and something really beautiful because I was able to take that time to write some new songs and get a bit of a new lease on and a new perspective on the album and resuscitate some songs that have fallen by the wayside. Like Mother was written when I was in Japan in 2018, but it was just a demo and it was just like a hook and it had this totally different chorus and being able to write musician that was written uh, in 2020, trying to feel alive. The the last song was also written very, very, very late in the process. And yeah, so the, I think in my opinion, the album got like 25% better during that time. And it, the way I described it to people was almost like you go to turn in your master's thesis, whatever, and then like the professor hands it back to you and says, yeah, you actually have another year to work on this. And you thought you were done. And at first you're like, I don't, I was planning on being done with this. What the hell? But then you're like, you grow and you spend some more time and you research a bit more and you're like, oh, here's an interesting new angle on this. And so ultimately I'm like really, really glad. You know, one big question I think I was left with with all this extra time was like this whole album is trying to answer this question of, you know, whether or not all this stuff I'm doing is meaningful and whether it is helpful and whether I've truly improved and gotten better and whether I've learned anything. And the biggest point of anxiety for me was the last song. Um, I had this other outro in the past that was called Pass Your Light Along. And it was this ballad. And I remember feeling like it just felt a bit luxury. Like it was like almost like a list of things I wanted to I wish I had told myself and I just didn't buy it. I was just like, yeah, this is cool. But like, it's like too concrete of an ending. It's like, I don't feel like I've actually transcended all these problems. And like, I know the answers now. So I ended up bailing on that song and I wrote another song called trying to feel alive. And that song is like, it's almost like the sequel to get your wish in some ways, because the thing, the question that's posed by get your wish is, you know, this is early on in nurture. It's like, you're struggling so hard to make this music, this is coming, this is really difficult to you. And clearly in some ways, all the attention that you've gotten has been kind of bad for your brain. So what is it that we're really wanting here? You've already, you've played Coachella like three times. Like, are you really hoping that at, the, at this next level of success or whatever, that that's going to be the thing that fixes you? And the answer to that is an obvious no. So like get your wish in its first verse is like, why are we trying to do, like, why do I need this so badly? And then the answer that's in the in the in the second verse is kind of it's something like this is extremely difficult and doing music might not be the thing that like makes me happy or quote unquote fixes me but in the same way that my favorite artists the existence of my favorite artists like Daft Punk or or Bonnie Vera Takagi Masakatsu Kanye West like the the fact that the existence of an album like Discovery or Graduation or 22 a million makes me feel that the world is like three shades brighter. Like I can, my music can have that role in someone else's life. And so it's not necessarily to say that like, oh, I'm doing all this out of charity because that's clearly not it. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm really right. self-sacrificing. But it does, that that does enable me to kind of forget for the moment this question of why am I doing this? which is something that's pretty paralyzing and instead just move forward, which is feels free. So it's like, I'm like, well, this is helpful to other people. So even if this, even if releasing music doesn't quote, fix me, unquote, at least 
like I have something to work towards, and at least there's some broader purpose for this. And then the final song on the album, Trying to Feel Alive, is like, it was the last song written for the album. And it's like, all right, like you did it. Like you wrote an album, let's check in here. How are we doing? And that was a terrifying prospect because I was like really questioning whether I had grown at all and really doubting the progress I had made. I was like struggling with that song too, being like, oh, see, like I haven't, I haven't gotten better at addressing writer's block or whatever. And I, that song was the hardest one, one of the hardest ones to finish because I felt like I couldn't end the album until I had a satisfying answer for the question of what was this all for? And the answer that I set up in the lyrics of trying to feel alive, the last lyrics of the album are, maybe it's a gift that I couldn't recognize, colon, trying to feel alive. And the idea is this struggle that I feel and that I think every artist feels of constantly feeling like you're not quite good enough and that you have more to say and more to do and not being satisfied is the thing that keeps you going and keeps you moving forward. And it would be better, it's better to be moving forward than I think to be perfectly content. I don't want to write an album where when it's done, I feel like I never have to write music again. Like I, I the end of the album is like, light, like life is basically a series of problems in a weird way. There's a series of things that you have to address to move forward. And so it's like, you might as well enjoy those problems because that's the process. And that's an, almost feels like a negative way of putting it. But like the, the question of trying to feel alive is like, wait, why don't I feel done yet? And the answer is, thank God I don't feel done. It's a gift I couldn't recognize trying to feel alive is. So that was satisfying to me, at least for the album. And and so that was another like part of the worldview, like being able to do this self-check-in and be like two years later after writing Get Your Wish, like, how are we? And the question is like as insatiable as ever, but at least I'm enjoying the process now. We'll leave it there. Porter Robinson, thanks very much for joining us. Hey, thanks so much for having me. This is a great time. That was Porter Robinson in conversation with the faders Jordan Darville. Robinson's latest album, Nurture, is out now via Mom and Pop. Our engineer is Tony Giambroni. Our associate producer is Sal Mackey. We'd like to thank Lauten Audio for providing our microphones. You can find them at lautenaudio.com. And we'd like to thank James Ivey for providing our intro music. Remember to like and subscribe to The Fader Interview wherever you listen to podcasts, and keep an eye on thefader.com for essential music news, interviews, and essays. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Fader Interview. Bye until then.